Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. On Thursday, the Biden administration announced its long-awaited climate rule targeting the power sector, the country's second largest source of emissions. The draft regulation would require most fossil fuel power plants to slash their greenhouse gas pollution 90% between 2035 and 2040, or shut down. Overall, the move is just the latest step in President Joe Biden's campaign to green the U.S. economy. But as we've noted before, the rule will likely face major legal challenges from GOP-led states that embrace fossil fuels. Those potential lawsuits could eventually land in front of the conservative-leaning Supreme Court, which curbed EPA's authority over the power sector less than a year ago. So today, Politico's Alex Guillem breaks down the timeline, impact, and potential pushback of this major rule. It's Friday, May 12th. So there's three main prongs. The first one is regulation for existing coal plants. EPA has set sort of different requirements depending on if the plant is going to retire at various points in the 2030s. And if it's not, if it's going to keep running in 2040 and beyond, EPA is saying it needs to capture the vast majority of its carbon emissions, which is a level based on technology called carbon capture and storage. And that's basically a technology that can suck the CO2 out of the exhaust before it goes into the atmosphere. The second prong covers natural gas plants that are already existing and running. Natural gas provides 40% of U.S. electricity right now. That would require plants in the 2030s either to install carbon capture technology or to switch essentially to burning almost entirely hydrogen, which, of course, when it's burned, does not emit carbon dioxide. How hydrogen is made is a question for greenhouse gas issues, and so EPA is requiring that the hydrogen used in this be clean and made through clean sources, but hydrogen when burned at the source is clean. And then the third major prong is updated standards for any new natural gas plants that are being built right now or in the future. EPA is strengthening those standards that were first set under the Obama administration and essentially require some natural gas plants to use hydrogen or CCS as they're being built. The uh, new ground you mentioned here is that there has not yet successfully been a regulation for existing power plants and the carbon dioxide they're emitting. So this, if it works, would be the first time that happens. Right. And so how is EPA Administrator Michael Regan selling the proposal? You were at his announcement event earlier. I was, and it was sort of an unusual announcement event on Thursday morning. It was held at the University of Maryland's campus in College Park, and it was pretty large. There were maybe 250, 300 people there, and there were sort of the usual EPA bigwigs and environmentalists and clean energy folks, but also lots and lots of students. They brought in a lot of students for this event. Regan very much was focused on selling this rule as an investment in the future and an investment in clean air for the youth in the room and the youth around the planet. So he's very much putting a big historical lens on this and selling it as a, you know, a major step forward. And this proposed rule hinges particularly on expanding the use of carbon capture technology at scale, which you noted earlier. And this is emerging as a contentious part of the proposal. So what are the challenges to actually doing that? And why is the administration arguing that it's doable given it's not currently widely used? 
Yeah, it's a pretty nascent technology. In the U.S., no power plants right now are using carbon capture on a commercial scale. There was one plant called Petronova in Texas that did run it for a while back in 2017 to 2020, but it had huge cost overruns and was plagued with a lot of equipment failures. There is another plant in Canada that does still currently use CCS. It's on the smaller side, but it has been using CCS. So it doesn't have a fantastic track record, but EPA and its supporters are saying it has enough of a track record, particularly when you look at things like the Inflation Reduction Act, which expanded what's called the 45Q tax credit for carbon sequestration. So for every ton of carbon dioxide that you pump into the ground, to sequester, it's worth $85 in tax credits. And the cost of carbon capture technology on a ton-by-ton basis can range from about $60 to $120, I believe. That's a rough estimate there. So in theory, some plants could completely offset the cost of carbon capture technology if they go that way, and others could significantly reduce the cost. Other questions that have been bubbling up are pipeline building. Carbon capture, once you capture the CO2, most plants are going to have to pipe it somewhere, either to the right geological formation to store it, where it can be pumped down and stay there forever, or for potentially other uses. There are uses for CO2, like a process called enhanced oil recovery, which can be used in some cases to push oil toward the surface and enhance drilling. So there are a lot of big questions still regarding this technology. Got it. And so how is the administration preparing to navigate a thicket of legal and political challenges expected to come once this rule is finalized? We're already seeing threats around that. And what gives the White House confidence that it will be legally durable in a way that previous climate regulations, most notably the Clean Power Plan from the Obama administration, have not? What gives the White House confidence? I think that a fair amount of gumption would be fair to say. But ultimately, what they're arguing is that we've gotten some guidance now. We've done this a few times. The Obama administration tried something. The Supreme Court said, no, that's not how that works. So now EPA is sort of going back to the drawing board and and came back and said, well, this source-specific rule is how we have regulated sources in the past. You look at the source, you say, what kind of technology or operating strategies can they use to reduce emissions and then require them to meet that level? Plants won't necessarily have to use carbon capture, for example, to reach these levels. They could find some other way to reach these emissions limits, but I'm not entirely familiar with uh, how that might work outside of, you know, some light trading and that kind of thing. So, you know, we'll have to see. There's definitely going to be legal challenges to this. I think probably the weakest point that's going to be attacked most is the legal requirement that carbon capture be adequately demonstrated. The law isn't hyper-specific on what that term means, so... There's an argument to be made here that because carbon capture doesn't have a a really good track record, it doesn't qualify. So that's all going to play out, of course, over the next few years, and we'll have to see what happens. Also, the Senate passed two Congressional Review Act resolutions on Thursday, undoing Biden administration rules regarding the Endangered Species Act. The first resolution would undo the repeal of a Trump-era definition of areas that qualify as habitat for endangered species. And the second one aims to nullify a rule enhancing protections for the northern long-eared bat. Both resolutions passed 51 to 49 and still need to clear the House. President Joe Biden vowed to veto both of them if they reach his desk. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. 
Before we go, I want to invite you to Politico's first ever energy summit. Hear from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, White House National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi, and more to hear about the new energy transition. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 18th. See you in person here in D.C., or you can join us virtually. For more details and RSVP, visit www.politico.com slash energy summit. I hope to see you there. Kelsey Tamburino was a guest host this week. Norma Malichael is the podcast producer. Brooke Hayes edited the podcast this week. Jenny Amant is the executive producer of audio at Politico. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.